Hey there, are you a spiritual seeker looking for the perfect way to blend your physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental health and well-being practices? Maybe you already have an interest in yoga or astrology or want to learn more about yoga's sister science, Jyotish, or Vedic astrology? Well then, I'm super glad you're here, and I'd like to extend you a very warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. I'm a yoga teacher and a Vedic sidereal astrologer, meaning I use the sidereal zodiac, so some of the signs might be different from what you're used to. To get a free copy of your sidereal birth chart, please visit my website, yogiscopes.com slash chart. Now let's get started. Glad you're here. Welcome to another episode of the Yogi Scopes podcast. This is going to be a pretty hefty one because instead of talking about like mundane little weekly stuff that happens pretty quickly, the energy that applies to just this week, I'm talking about a transit that lasts for several months and the implications of that and how to work with it. As always, including yoga practices and journal prompts at the end, stick around for those. Um, And if you are in the membership, I do sign-by-sign interpretations, so you can get your birth chart and just look at your rising and moon signs. Um, You can get that on my website for free, yogiscopes.com slash chart, spelled just like this podcast, Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S dot com slash slash chart, and then on there, you will be able to get a also a decoder worksheet so you can start to understand the language of astrology to the end of understanding what it means for you even deeper when you can under when because oftentimes you look at your chart the first time or the first several times and it's like what am I even looking at I don't know what to find where and it just it's a it's another language it's a foreign language in the sense that I used Vedic astrology and it's in Sanskrit um so there's that layer in It's different than Western astrology, the newspaper horoscopes you might have grown up with here in the U.S. or the Western world we live in. Um, So it's it's another language in that sense. And then it's also another language in the sense that what is a house? What is a planet? What is a sign? What is it like? How do I even interpret this? It's a bunch of glyphs and symbols. And so that's why I made the decoder worksheet. If you haven't gotten it, go get it. If you care to learn your birth chart and and how to apply astrology to your life, if you have gotten it, have you filled it out? Go fill it out. Use it. Like it's a resource is only as good as, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. So I made this great resource. I hope it's helpful, helpful for you. If you did fill it out and you still have more questions, I'd love to hear from you. I'm here to support you. So grab that. Um, but then also if you're in the membership, we all, I always go over sign by sign, but then that means you have to know where to find what your rising and moon signs are. There's a nice little table there. Rising is synonymous with ascendant, FYI. So it's usually abbreviated AS or ASC for ascendant, and that means rising, and then MO for moon. So you'll find those, find what placements they're in in the little table um, when you calculate your chart. And that is in the membership. And then in the membership also, we have these beautiful flow classes. I just taught one this morning right before I'm recording this um, to kind of embody this energy and bring it. So we're going to talk about Rahu and K2 today. If I didn't already mention that, we're talking about specifically Rahu. And Rahu is very heady. 
Okay, so if you haven't listened to um, the Rahu and K2 episode that I did a while back um, called The Karmic Indicators in Vedic Astrology, I will try to remember to link it in the show notes. I can't make any promises, but you'll just go back and look for that episode. It wasn't that long ago um, that I put it out. And listen to the mythology about Rahu and Ketu and therefore what the archetypes represent. Or if you did listen to it when it came out and it's been a few months and now you've forgotten, a refresher could be helpful if you want to listen to it again. But so to put it in a sentence, Rahu is the head of an archetypal snake and without the body, it got severed from Ketu, which is its body And, um, so now they spend eternity chasing around the sun and the moon, causing eclipses. And basically, if you think about the archetype of having a head without a body, that's Rahu. Um, so have you ever had this experience where you're ruminating on something and you're thinking and thinking and thinking about it and you like just think yourself in circles and can't come to the answer well that's that's a very rahuvian like thing like you're stuck in your head you need to come to k2 and bring it down into the body so we're going to talk about rahu is changing lunar mansions it changed on tuesday i think it was the 12th of this week july 12th so it it already has shifted into that nakshatra that lunar mansion so i'm going to talk about what that means that's what this episode is for um but I feel like it needs a quick reintroduction to what Rahu and K2 are even about in general. So we're going to talk about where Rahu has shifted, what that archetype is, what that means, how that might play out in regular life. And then in the membership, I will, of course, have the sign-by-sign one so you can go a layer deeper and figure out what that might mean in your life based on your own birth chart. Um, and then also we have the weekly Yogi Scopes flow on going forward from here on out every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Eastern time. But then also if you're in the membership, you get access to the recordings. If that time doesn't work for you, I highly encourage, um, going back and checking. So, because the reason I bring this up is because I want you to know about it because it's a great resource. I very intentionally designed it to help you apply, this astrology to your life in a very embodied way, in a way that's easily accessible, easy to just fit into your schedule. It's just a yoga practice, but it's very intentionally designed on my part so that you can uh, bring this stuff down into body. So you listen to the podcast, you get this heady information, and um, you're thinking and thinking and journaling and stuff to uh, try and apply it to your life, which is good. That's a good practice. But then when you come to the yoga practice, you are able to get out of your head and into your body. And then a lot of times I actually got, like I've experienced this in my own practice and I had a participant in class this morning say um, that she also experienced that where she had, she wasn't sure what to release for this most recent full moon and just couldn't come up with anything. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You don't always have to, like, it doesn't, have to be something big and profound every single month actually more often will will not be profound like we need to find magic in the mundane right like that's actually where the magic happens is in the simple little things and then she said during our practice the answer came to her um and it it kind of rose up out of her embodied practice and that has been my experience too that's why i designed this membership to be the way it is so that on a regular basis you can 
you can hear about this stuff and kind of plant the seeds in your mind and then bring it into your body where you nourish the seed and from there the answers spring up they sprout they grow and it's just that's that's the magic that's the magic of yoga and astrology so that's why I created yogi scopes as a thing in this world and I created the membership as the best way I could think of to distill the process of applying this stuff to your life and that is a very Rahu and Ketu concept that's why I bring it up in the context of this episode because you know Rahu and Ketu are counterparts right like they're um two sides of the same coin I guess right they're they're the head and the body that have just been severed and they're they're disconnected but they're always um you know you you need them both right and so right now the focus for this episode today is on Rahu specifically because it just changed signs but it, I can't talk about Rahu without pointing to K2 because um often whatever is going on with Rahu the way to bring it into embodiment is through K2, wherever K2 is. So we'll explore that a little bit more if it doesn't make sense right now. Um, hang tight, sit with it, S- stick with me here. Okay, so I will talk in a moment more about what... Um, so Rahu moved into Barani, a nakshatra called Barani. Um, I've been kind of mentioning it on the July... Outlook episode, I talked about it. Um, I probably brought it up last week because it's a big deal. Um, and we had our eclipse in April or so, was in Barney, so um, we started to talk about it then. Um, and now remember, Rahu and K2 always move in retrograde motion, so they always are moving backwards through the zodiac. They don't we don't say they're retrograde, although actually if you get my email newsletter or you have the the planner, the Yogi Scopes planner, with all you can get all the dates ahead of time. It is 50% off right now. If you want to go to yogiscopes.com slash 2022, and then when you go to checkout, you enter the code in all caps, one word, June Abundance, um, because we're at June's like halfway through the year, so it's 50% off. Uh, call in abundance for the second half of the year by getting the calendar and doing the work presented there and having the dates ahead of time um, and just following the kind of guidance that's at the beginning and call in abundance for the rest of your year. So anyway, you'll see it like when a planet is retrograde and when I send it in the newsletter or how it's written in the planner, there'll be like a capital R or that's also how it shows up when you look up your birth chart. Um, It'll have a capital R like it says Rahu capital R there and that means it's retrograde but Rahu is all Rahu and K2 are always retrograde that's just you'll learn about that if you if you listen to or go back now and listen to the episode where I just discussed the archetypes the mythology the astronomy and the how that combines together to be the astrological what they represent astrologically in that karmic indicators episode that I talked about so you'll learn more about that there they're just always retrograde they don't go direct which I guess for them would be kind of like retrograde, moving the opposite. They just always move that direction. That's just how it works. So I bring that up to remind you that where it's headed next is backwards through the zodiac to towards the beginning of Aries. So Aries is the first sign in the zodiac, and Barney is the second nakshatra, but we're actually moving towards the first, and that 
is only like minorly important right now. I just I just want you to have it kind of in your mind um, because as we're discussing what Barney represents, um, it is towards the the front of the zodiac, right? So that that goes into the archetype. Um, I hope this makes sense. This is how I like to approach astrology because I am very archetypal. Like I like to understand the archetypes and why they are like how those archetypes came to be. Um, that helps me understand astrology better. So then I can apply it to my life better rather than, so again, like I said, like with Rahu and K2, so that it's a more embodied understanding rather than just a cerebral, like I'm just going to memorize these archetypes. Like I want to bring it down into an embodied way. This is what helps me understand astrology. And I find, um, this is part of like why I started this podcast, because I found that like a lot of folks were explaining astrology in a way that felt more, um, like I, I didn't have an embodied understanding of it, so I wanted to have an embodied understanding of it, and I pursued that, and now I want to share that with you. So that's why I go so deep into what may seem like tangents, but it's to serve the purpose of deeply understanding these astrological archetypes in an embodied way. That's why I go on these crazy tangents. Um, also, I have some placements in my chart that indicate that I just like um, it's like Rahu and Scorpio in my birth chart. I'm going to go like all the way to the root, uh, like the depth, you know, anyway. Uh, so here we are talking about Rahu and Barney, just a couple quick glances at some other stuff happening in the sky right now. So also this week, uh, Saturn retrograded back into Capricorn. So here we are again, Saturn is in Capricorn, which means it's aspecting cancer. This is important. Saturn's aspects are important here. So I have talked about um, what Saturn, the Saturn retrograde going on. I'm pretty sure, sorry y'all, I was telling the yoga class this morning that I have like super mom brain today. I don't know what it is. I'm like feeling, my brain is feeling really extra scattered. It's, actually, I do know what it is. It's lack of sleep because I have a four month old. Um, but anyway, um, that will make my brain scattered, scattered. So I'm pretty sure I did a Saturn retrograde episode Honestly, I'm not even going to take the time to look it up right this second because it's not that important. But so it's, I've, I've talked at length, even if I didn't do a special episode about um, sa what Saturn retrograding in Cap Capricorn means, the implications of that. We've had that going on back and forth since about 2020, especially if you've had a reading with me, like we've talked about that. But I ha what I have not talked about at length on this podcast is the aspects of Saturn while it's in Capricorn. So while it's in Aquarius, it is not aspecting Jupiter right now, I believe. Sorry, let me double check that. When when Saturn's in Aquarius, no, it does not aspect Jupiter. Jupiter is in Pisces right now. Um, so now that Saturn has moved back again to Capricorn, it is aspecting the signs of Pisces, Cancer, and Libra. And that's important because Libra is ruled by Venus so is Barney. The nakshatra of Barney is ruled by Venus. Um, so Pisces is ruled by Jupiter. It's where Jupiter is. So it's being aspected by a retrograding Saturn. So is Cancer. And that is ruled by the moon. So basically what I'm kind of getting at is all the feminine energy there is, is somehow being touched by Saturn, which is a very masculine energy, um, a very strict and rulesy energy, which sometimes 
is kind of conflicting to the feminine, like let it flow kind of energy, right? So we have that going on. And the fact that it's aspecting K2, like I've talked about, this is, we can't talk about Rahu without talking about K2. And so even though Saturn is, in, when Saturn is in Aquarius, it's aspecting Rahu. So when, so for the next six or so months, Saturn will be in, in Capricorn. And then it's moving to Aquarius in next January, like mid-January of 2023. And then it will be aspecting Rahu. So we kind of can't get away with this Saturn energy, um, so that's why I said this. I said this podcast. I'm not talking about like more slow moving weekly stuff, except for the fact that Sun and Mercury are moving into Cancer this week. So, but they will like if you listen to this episode down the road, they will have moved on within a month or so or less, right? Um, but it's still important that Saturn is ruling or Saturn is aspecting Jupiter itself and a Jupiter ruled sign. It's aspecting Cancer, which the Moon rules, which means it's definitely having an effect on the moon, which can be hard. So, um, and actually today, as I'm recording this, the moon is in Capricorn, but so anyway, if you are, if you have a Capricorn moon or you have a Sagittarius moon or Aquarius or Pisces moon, that means you're in or around your Sati Sati where Saturn affects moon. And that is just adding a layer. If you have questions about it and want to talk to me about it, let me know. I think I'm I'm trying to develop some more resources because as an Aquarius moon myself, I am also in my Sati Sati. It's a challenging time. I'd love to talk about it more, but it's not the point of this episode. But I it can't be overlooked, right, in talking about all this Rahu energy. And so Saturn is playing a role. It's aspecting Pisces where Jupiter is right now. And it's aspecting Cancer where the Sun and Mercury will move this week. And it's aspecting K2 in Libra. So in a roundabout way, it's having a lot of influence on this energy and it is retrograde. So it cannot be overlooked. So just keep that in mind that what that means is bring the Saturnine energy to appease Saturn if you're having a hard time with this stuff. Things like selfless service to others. So I still, um, somebody, now I can't remember exactly who it was. Um, I believe it was Alyssa, Alyssa Ray, who is, so I believe it was you. I don't, it might've been somebody else. I'm sorry. Forgive my mom brain brought up wanting to learn more about karma. And so Saturn and Rahu and Ketu, all three of those are pretty much the indicators of karma in Vedic astrology. So we can talk more about how that plays out in a chart. We can talk more about karma just in general, like what it means. It's more than just if you cut somebody off in traffic, you might get cut off a a few minutes later. Or if you are rude to the clerk, the door hits you on the way out. It's more than just that kind of like instant karma idea. Um, So I have a plan, like I'm going to, we'll get there. I'm still trying to figure out what it will look like. We're going to talk about it. I might do it as like a special extra um, meeting for the membership or something. I'm open to ideas. If you have ideas about how it would fit well in your life to learn about that, I'd love to hear it. But um, anyway, karma. Just in a quick nutshell, I just want to say that because it's like this isn't going to do justice to the whole discussion of like what karma is. But in a nutshell, if you do something with an expectation of an outcome, whether that outcome is good or bad, you are generating 
karma. Like, so a karma is something that you have to continue living on in the samsara, the cycle of birth and redeath, redeath, death and rebirth to reap either the benefits or the rewards of, which gets very much into the archetype of Barney, um, because it, we're going to talk about in a moment, death and rebirth, which is pretty much the archetype of Barney, what it, what that nakshatra means. But karma is what keeps you looped in, into the cycle of death and rebirth, samsara, um, which, you know, you can look at it as like actual reincarnation, but you don't have to. You could look at it as like the cycle of suffering. When you release your expect, you like in this one lifetime, I often say like, don't worry about the afterlife. We have this one lifetime, you know, here right in now in front of us to worry about before we even think about the afterlife or tomorrow or whatever, anything off in the future. So think about how you can escape samsara or the cycle of birth and redeath, birth and redeath. I'm just going to roll with it. Birth and redeath. Um, <laughs> so, so before you can escape that cycle of suffering, are you able to release yourself from the cycle of suffering now today by quitting attaching yourself to outcomes so that's the idea of selfless service that appeases saturn because if you're just like i'm just gonna do this because it's the right thing to do not because um even because i want to appease saturn you know what i mean like you can't even attach that outcome to it it's, it's hard you know like i'm just gonna do the next right thing the next right thing and the more you do that without saying I'm doing this because I want the outcome of Saturn to quit giving me a hard time or like whatever, you know, like you have, it's, it's hard, it's harder than it sounds, this idea of Seva, but that is what appeases Saturn. That's what releases karma. Like, I'm just going to do this because I'm good at it. It's something the world needs like Dharma, right? Like I'm going to do this thing that I'm naturally inclined to do. And it's something that the world needs. That's how you put out selfless service actions without that are that are good actions right actions that are um not you're not doing them because you're hoping for an outcome even if it's a positive one right um so that's karma in a nutshell that's how you appease saturn so i bring that up because if you are having a hard time with this energy uh working in how can you be a selfless service how can you keep worry about the process over the outcomes. I talked about that in relation to the full moon. And really, honestly, maybe I think this, this is why I talk about my own self and my own chart so much, not to like, just talk about myself, but because I think when I do that, it helps um, shine light on my own perspective. Like, why do I look at it this way? Because if you listen to somebody else, they might look at it a different way, which is valuable too. But I'm like entirely ruled by Saturn. So to me, I'm like, Saturn is everything, right? But there there are other perspectives. I encourage you to like go out and seek them if you want another perspective, fine. But like, here's mine, is that the root of everything. Um, sorry, I don't know if y'all can hear, but my phone keeps going off. I forgot to um, uh, turn it on, do not disturb. So anyway, Barney. Now we're getting to the cycle of birth and redeath, as I've been saying, death and rebirth. So why does that archetype represent death and rebirth, birth and redeath? Why does, why does it represent that? Because as with everything in astrology, 
It's all archetypes. Like people sat around thousands of years ago staring at the stars, finding pictures in them because they didn't have TikTok videos to watch or whatever to like keep themselves occupied. So they looked at the sky and they also didn't have light pollution to the degree that we do. So they looked at the sky and they were like, that looks like something that I recognize. And they made up stories and those stories got passed down in an oral tradition, which is why a podcast is a great way to talk about astrology, by the way, because it's all just, it's just, you know, these archetypes of universal human experiences um, that we can all relate to in some way. So anyway, Barney is the symbol that it is represented by is a yoni, which is the female organ, you know, so the female anatomy. And it is, it translates to the woman who bears. So bearing children, bearing whatever. So in astrology also, the fifth house is related to children and creativity, which also has connections to the second chakra. So I just bring all these archetypes up because they're they're similar. They're like the same concept, same idea. Um, so the reason in second chakra work, womb work, um, and this kind of idea, fifth house is like, whether you actually have children give birth to like literal actual children, that is one expression, but maybe that's not in the cards for you. Maybe it's not a thing that you want in this lifetime, whatever. Like, I don't care. That's not the point. Um, the point is, is also your center of creativity and so um like big creative projects things think things that you would birth into the world like um your magnum opus like you write a book so this podcast i put it out on on a regular weekly basis is a third house endeavor like it is and and teaching regular yoga classes those are like third house endeavors because it's more on a regular basis it's not like a big work so if i were to put out like a book or um you know, like a little painting would be like a third house. Uh, A fifth house creative endeavor would be like a mural or something. You you get it? You get what I'm saying? So, so something that you birth into the world that is like, like, like your baby, that's fifth house. That's second chakra. Um, that is Barney nakshatra. That's the archetype. So some, here's some more things about the archetype to help you understand what this energy is, how it might be showing up in your life is ruled by Venus, which is also feminine energy. Um, it is connected to the sign. K2 is in Libra and Libra is ruled by Venus. Um, so it's, it's drawing that connection to K2 as well. Um, so if you want to bring it down in an embodied way, you think about creativity, um, and it is ruled by Yama, the deity of death. So it has this connection to the female organ, which is how every single human being on planet Earth was born via a womb, a yoni, a female organ. But then it's also ruled by the deity Yama, which is the god of death. So, oh my gosh, y'all. Um, sorry, if you just heard that ding again, I turned do not disturb on my phone, but then I have a MacBook, so my texts are still coming through to my computer, and I am just not going to go back and edit it. Sorry, I'm not. So, um, <laughs> it is like if you thought your phone was going off, it was mine. Uh, anyway, so it's, so it's, this whole archetype represents death and rebirth, and the idea is that 
to give birth to something, there has to be some kind of death. But we actually explored this in our Yogi Scopes flow class this morning, which if you do want to join the membership, you would get access to that and you can totally watch the recording, which I know several members do actually go back and check the recording. So like it's just as valuable if you can't attend live, watch the recording, embody this energy, see what lands for you. Um, but we explored that, this this notion of um, death and rebirth in in our bodies with our breath with the idea of each breath is a death and rebirth and you you exhale and that's a death a a releasing of energy and you inhale and you create new energy but then with this idea in your breath you also yes you have to let go of something to bring something new in but then when you think about how it it applies in life I've explored this a lot on the science of light in terms of like I came to this realization with getting clean off of drugs. Like, you know, I'm a recovering addict, if you didn't know that about me. Um, I, you don't just stop doing drugs. You have to have, or like whatever bad habit. You have to, have, like, the example this morning was smoking. Um, you don't just quit smoking. Like, you're, you have to have something else to replace in its place. And for me, with doing drugs, it was yoga, which is how I even found myself here on this path that I'm on. Um, the thing that kept me from going back to drugs was going back to yoga. Instead, I did yoga before I was ever um, on drugs, uh, before I was addicted to opiates. I did yoga, and then I lost touch with my yoga practice And I, while I was using, and then I came back to my yoga practice, and that was what kept me from bouncing in and out of the cycle of suffering of relapsing, right? I found my way back to my yoga practice, and I tried to get clean several times before I found my way back to my yoga practice, and it was having that new habit to replace the old one with that kept me in the light, as I say, like, stay in the light, stay in the solution. It was yoga, that kept me in the solution rather than keeping reverting back to the problem. So there is this notion like with the full moon that happened this week with each full moon, you should like spend some time letting go, but we're always in this dance of letting go, bringing in, letting go, bringing in. And that is the cycle of death and rebirth. It shows up in the breath. It shows up in the practice we did this morning was sort of a, it was a little bit of a second. Uh, it, it was very much embodiment of the energy of this week. It was heart opening but we also, I mean, we open the heart, we close the heart. We had this notion of expanding and contracting, which is also, I mean, that is very much the uh, archetype of Barney because it um, it has to do with the womb. And, you know, we all know that wombs go through the female cycle of the menstrual cycle. And so um, also that's very connected to the moon phases um, there's this notion of oscillating between opposite ends of the spectrum of, of going through cycles of death and rebirth of, you know, the menstrual cycle, the moon phases, um, but then also like expanding and contracting either in the body or in life. Um, and then the Venusian energy here brings this extreme creativity. So to hearken back to, I, I brought up the second chakra. So we will talk 
more about the second chakra some in our flow practices we'll we'll explore that in the yogi scopes flow and coming soon is a i will have an option to just drop in if you don't want to join the membership you could just drop in whenever you have time but i encourage you like with all these resources in the membership just one month of membership is like if you just use one of the things i offer in the membership you are like totally getting your money's worth um so i'd encourage that that's why i designed it that way um, so you don't have to do everything offered there. But anyway, if you do want to drop in once like a trial, you can just email me rosemary at yogiscopes.com and I will send you a one time for free link to just drop in because I'd love to have you to try it out um, before you commit if you want to come and explore that. All you have to do is reach out to me. Um, anyway, so we're going to explore this second chakra stuff um, because I... I always like to give the caveat because I know not everybody wants to have kids. Like I have kids. So I spend a lot of time talking about kids and like, so when I talk about fifth house, when I talk about the womb, when I talk about the second chakra, there is this connection to like literal actual children and giving birth to literal actual children. But then there is also this connection to, uh, so maybe you have kids, maybe you don't either way. It doesn't matter what is also represented by the fifth house, this yoni, barney, womb energy, is this notion of creativity and sexuality. And in ancient Indian philosophy, there's this idea that this second chakra energy that has to do with sexuality and creativity and literal actual children or like whatever you're creatively birthing into this world, whether you have kids or not or want kids or not, um, there's this idea that this energy is finite and that's what brahmacharya is all about is the conservation of energy. But I've been exploring this in my own practice and in my teaching and I've been asking people about it and I don't know that it is finite. And maybe it, I'm like, I think it's finite, but I don't think there is like, so brahmacharya is this idea that you have to conserve your energy because you only have so much of it. So that's why you, you should be a monk and not have sex because if you're using your your second chakra energy towards sexuality, then you're um, using that energy up and you have nothing left for creative energy. But I think it's like anything in this world that the more you practice and the more you like do it, the more of it you have. So maybe the energy is finite, but I do also think there's a way to increase the energy. It's like the more you practice creating, the more creative you get right? Um, the more sex you have, the more sex you want to have, like that kind of idea. I think, you know, that's just what I've found in my life. You can play with it, see if it rings true for you. That's actually kind of my whole point here is like, I want to be a guide for you to strengthen your connection to your inner teacher. Like, I don't think my way is the way necessarily. It might be for you, but, um, I would rather not tell you how to feel this energy or what it all means. I would rather give you some ideas, give you some things to think about and explore and guide you on to how better explore that for yourself and see if it rings true for you. So um, you can explore it in our flow classes. Um, if you think that the second chakra work, if you think that creating more create like creative space in your life, does that increase your creativity or does that use it all up? I don't know. Explore it. Let me know what you find out. Um, so yeah, so with that in mind, then 
all this creative energy, this womb energy, it gives rise to, um, while Rahu is in Barani, it might be a time that you like quickly manifest some shit because like you quickly give birth to whatever it is you're trying to manifest or give birth to in this life, whether that's children or, um, children and something else or just something else. Right. Um, because Rahu, I've spent all this time describing Barney and what that means, but I have to remind you, Rahu is obsession. It's the head. It's like, I just want to take in, you know, like I described this in the Rahu and K2 episode. If you want to go deeper, you can go back and listen to that again. But, um, it's like we take in the majority of our sensory information. You know, we have five senses, but our sight, taste, smell, and sound, four out of the five are all taken in through the head, right? So Rahu takes things in and the brain processes those things and makes a story about them. So I often lead a guided meditation. I'm going to have to just get this guided meditation up in the practice library section of the membership because it's so useful for so many things where we do, um, we go through the five senses. This is also a good tool if you need to feel more grounded in stressful situations. Um, you bring it down into an embodied sense, which is like pointing back to K2, right? By going through your five senses with your eyes closed, you're able to feel um, what all that, so something, I read this, something like 60 to 70% of what our brain interprets and processes as the story that it tells us about our surroundings, about any moment that we're going through, comes from our visual input. So when we close our eyes and sort of shut off that visual input, we have to get more in touch with our sensory input. These K2 notions of like what we're feeling with our body, what we're feeling on our skin, our sense of touch, right? And then our brain can make the story of our surroundings based on something other than our visual input, which is kind of switching from that Rahu energy into K2 energy, right? So, um, that was a fun tangent. (laughs) Why did I go on that tangent? Because Rahu is going to bring obsession and obsession with what you're creating and what you're birthing while it's here in Barney. So it can be a really good time to manifest some shit like, cool, do it. I'm all about it. I talk a lot about manifesting, um, about the reality of manifesting, about how to like really actually do it. And that's what I think I've really refined the process. And that is how like what the Yogi Scopes membership was born of how to like, you come to our moon day meditations that are free to the public. So if you just want a little taste for free, you could try that as well. If you don't feel like emailing me to get a pass to the Yogi Scopes flow, or you could join the membership where the recordings go of both of those things that brings it down into, into K2, into the body, right? That's the path for how Rahu stuff is going to come to fruition. So Rahu right now is giving us this obsession with manifesting something, with birthing something into the world, with creativity, sexuality, feminine energy, all this stuff. Cool. How do we bring that down into existence? That is through where K2 is. That is through the body, Um, right? So if you don't have time or space to take this extra stuff, I always want these podcast episodes to serve um, on their own. So now that brings us to the 
actual yoga practices you can do. So if you want to just join and, and have a, a flow that's all of this put together in one place where so you can experience it in an hour, um, you can do that or you can listen and I'll tell you kind of the general idea behind how I'm building these flows and some journal prompts to work with it. And then if you're in the membership, you'll get your sign by sign to go even a layer deeper. So choose your own adventure. The yoga practices are pelvic floor work because we want to, so whether you have a yoni, a female organ or not, um, you have a pelvic floor, even if you have a male anatomy, uh, everybody has a pelvic floor. So you could do pelvic floor work and then indicated in pelvic floor work is diaphragmatic breathing. Um, so we'll explore those things next week in our moon day meditation and then explore them even further in our yogi scopes flow that's happening on Wednesday next week. Um, and then flowing movements to embody the feminine energy of Venus here, um, the feminine energy of the, of the nakshatra. And then also we have, um, sun and mercury moving into cancer which is ruled by the moon which is very nurturing um, mothering so that's also indicating the second chakra that's why i bring that up so um but the second chakra is watery so how do you do second chakra work you create flowing movements um and actually so i shared that if you want to go back on my instagram i did a reel a while ago uh for the eclipse that was in barney and I shared a little practice there. And so if you go back and look for the reel that has like the little, the image on the reel, it says uh, new moon eclipse yoga practice or something to that effect. And it's like me on a log in child's pose in front of a waterfall. That's the one. So that's, that will help you get an idea of some kind of flowing movements. And if you go back to it and you look at it, throw a comment on there or send me a message and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear it. I'm on Instagram as Yogi Scopes, just like this podcast, Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S. Or you can also DM me if any other thoughts or feelings come up, questions, whatever. I'm there. It's just me. There's no team. Like, it's just, just me. So if you DM me, it will be me that reads it and replies. So, um, so then also other yoga practices are this notion of opening and closing. So one one idea of how to embody that is like going from like a humble warrior to eagle, right? Garudasana. So the humble warrior is the one where you're like in warrior one and you interlace your hands behind your back and open your heart. So you're really opening the front of the chest. And then eagle is the one where you either give yourself a big bear hug or do the Garudasana eagle arms. And so you're closing off and feel the interplay of the open close, open close, right? Um, so feel that to embody the uh, death and rebirth, birth and redeath, like I've been saying, I've been mixing up this whole episode. Um, so try those things or join our flow. If you want a free pass, you can email me, you can message me on social media. I will send you a link. I'd be glad to. I'd be glad to hear from you. Um, and then also your journal prompts. So what are you birthing into this world? So maybe you write this down. What am I birthing into this world? And what would I have to let go of in order to birth that? And as always, uh, we will explore these in more depth in the membership bonus podcast episode. And FYI, be on the lookout. Coming soon is I'm going to have a way that you can just subscribe to the bonus podcast episodes. It's not out yet, but probably by next week, I'm going to try to have it out. Um, or you can just join the whole membership and get all this extra stuff I've been talking about. So 
what are you birthing? What could you let go of in order to bring that in? Or maybe you start bringing that in and then you have to create more space. So you have to let go of something like I was talking about earlier, this dance of the breath of ebbing and flowing of letting go and bringing in of the moon of the womb. Let me know how I can support you. If you want to go deeper, join the membership for the sign by sign, or I'd love to explore your chart individually with a reading. You can go to my website, yogiscopes.com offerings to find that. I'm so grateful that you're here. Please remember to keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, friends.